Welcome to the Crystal Crawford Show. I'm Crystal Crawford, and I invite you to a deep exploration of the tools of access consciousness and a totally different way of being. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Crystal Crawford Show. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're on the planet. I was just sitting here getting all teary again. It's been a very grateful tears sort of day. And I call this week's episode my story of change because I want to tell you my story. I know that you hear my story in bits and pieces throughout this show. I think that's part of the magic of the show myself, <laughs> if I do say so, um, is I'm always willing to share my life with you. And it's very not very often that I share my complete story of change. And so I wanted to just have that here for you so that you know a little bit more about me and a little bit more about why I'm such a raving fan of these access consciousness tools and why I chose to become a facilitator of the tools and anything else that comes up <laughs> during this episode. So if you guys are live with me, I'm so glad you're here. And um, how does it get better? Uh, I'm facilitating a foundation class this weekend. I facilitate these often. I love them. But the reason I love them is because this particular class and this set of tools is the thing that that gave me me again. Um, it's been interesting to look at where I want to start my story because there's a lot of different starting points. But where this got stimulated was I was <laughs> in the bathroom yesterday, like I am, and I stumbled on Facebook onto a live church service. Now, this particular church is in Australia, and they're called Hillsong. And I had a period of my life about, mm, about 15 years of my life where I was a very intense evangelical Christian. And I say intense because I was as avid about that as I am about consciousness now. That avidness, that, that level of extremity has always been there in my world. So at the time, um, we were going to a very, very big charismatic Christian church in Hillsong was one of the churches that inspired us the most. They do these, this incredible music and they have this incredible band and they, the, the video filming system just makes you feel like you're in a concert. Like they were just super pro. But, but more than that, like their music always evoked something in me. And so yesterday I was in the bathroom and I was, you know, stumbled on this church service. And so I was in it for a while. And it really, really got me looking at like how far I've come and you just have to forgive me today because <laughs> there's so much gratitude for that. Um, I, I see some people on this consciousness journey that, you know, come in already pretty light, you know, they've got this incredible magic and lightness about them. And for me, that's taken quite a bit of time to find again. Um, I, I, my family was incredibly judgmental and perfectionist, you know? So as I've talked about a lot, I grew up in a very like intense, um, my parents argued, argued like loudly. Uh, they would take themselves to the garage and like scream at each other when I was a kid. And I was always like on the lookout for, for the next violent moment or, you know, the moment I would need to protect the younger kids. I'm the oldest of five. So and then when my dad left, um, I shared with my mom that he had been sexually inappropriate with me 
which then threw us into, she then threw us into the system in the United States. So social services was very involved in our lives. And we, from the time I was like 13 to, I don't know, 18 or 19, we were very much in the system, you know? So we were in, th- in, an, in therapy and like working through stuff. I have no idea why I'm tearing up so much today, guys, but just ride with me here. Um, but it was through those years that I both got really close to my mom. And then what got developed in my family was this culture of um, feeling your feelings and asking for your needs to be met and like standing up for yourself and boundaries. And so I got very educated in the ways of emotional abuse via mental health. And, um, and it was at the end of that time that I, you know, entered my twenties and I wanted to start like individuating from my mom. And up to that point, my mom had been like my best friend. I didn't have like, I grew up very introverted and very smart. Um, I was not popular by any stretch. So I was very introverted, too smart for my own good. I was very good at music. I was super smart and super quiet. And also through that time was navigating my religious differences because we grew up in this cult. So I couldn't talk to anybody about it. So I was very different already. I knew that. I was also smart and quiet and all that nerdy stuff. So I had all that social stuff going on and then my my family stuff was going on. And so there wasn't a place in my life where I could actually relax. When I went home, it was stressful because we were, you know, my mom was herself um we i was she was training me to go to juilliard so there was the pressure of performing on the piano there was the professor pressure of performing academically and then when i'd go to school i didn't fit in there and i was a super aware so like no matter where i went in my life there was like no rest there was no relax um a lot of tears today i can tell um so Somewhere in the middle of that, in my teen years, my mom found this big church and it was nothing similar to what we believed at the time. We had a series of beliefs that didn't match anything out in the world, but it it was a place of rest. Like you could go on a Sunday or on a Wednesday night and, and your body could relax. And at the time I, it was, you know, it was called, it's called worship and all that, but I get now looking back that it was a communion and no separation and a a space where there was no violence or, you know, threat of drama or anything. And so that became, I made that into like everything for me. The other thing that occurred for me during that time that I recognize now is that I, I got in touch with a space of possibility that, I'd always known, I, you know, sometimes I hear people talk about, well, I always had this dream as a kid or whatever. I didn't have any of that. I was like trying to survive my childhood, honestly. It was like so intense all the time. But I did have these moments where I would get this glimpse into a universe of space or a universe of kindness. And I don't know that it happened that often, but it was enough because I started to, sorry, recognize it. 
So when I was a kid, I recognized it when I would get down in and amongst the flowers. <laughs> I was talking to fairies. And then when in my teen years, I, I recognized it in the spaces that would get created when we would worship. And there was just the space to be there. You could be. This is important to my story of change because it didn't happen often, but it was so memorable that like I kept looking for that energy, but I didn't know that that's what I was looking for. So became a Christian. I became very, very extreme and active. I went on a missions trip to China and I smuggled Bibles across the border because at the time <laughs> it was it was and is still in many areas illegal to be a Christian over there. And they they kill and torture and imprison people all the time still. So I went over there for three months and we smuggled things across the border from Hong Kong into China and all kinds of crazy stuff. And then when I was 25, I didn't go to normal university because I didn't find anything that I was interested in. I found a Bible school that was like everything that I was interested in. It combined all the things. And I went there um, for three very intense years. I worked three jobs. I went to school. Um, I educate, I got my degree. I ran all the teams on the church, in the church. Like I ran the usher team, the drama team, the music team. The <laughs> I, I was basically up at 6 a.m. and I went to bed at midnight and that was my life. And it was like heaven. And then right after that, it was time. I felt like it was time to get married. And I would say from 27 to like, you know, 36 or whatever, those were sort of my married years and tons happened in there. But part of what occurred after I got married the first time is I gave up the, the communion that I'd created for myself with God, with that, that, that time that I would spend there. I gave that up. And it, it's, it's noticeable to me now because being where I am here in this moment and having had the change that I've gotten through then, I, it was I, I, interesting to me that what I actually gave up was the communion with the spirit world that I now have. But cool awareness because I missed it and I missed it and I missed it and I missed it and I never stopped looking for it. And a part of the the what's right about this I'm not getting about giving it up back then is that that the pain of giving that up is part of what led me here. So got married. This is a very short version. <laughs> Opened a business. Opened a pizzeria. I was a pizzeria owner for three years. We were on TV. We got renovated by a reality show, so we were on TV. Then the stress of all of that and so many other things that I can't get into now uh, led to me leaving him. The day that I left him, I chose to get into another relationship and married that guy six months later. So I went from marriage to marriage and never gave myself the space or didn't didn't give myself any space to like heal or anything, which is what I used to explain the, the emotional turmoil that I was in in my second marriage. But looking back now, I can see that I was super aware and I didn't know I was super aware and I was picking up on all these entities and energies. Anyway, the bottom line was that my second marriage was so tumultuous for me that I literally felt like I just could not figure out a way to be happy. And I was, I was sad like all the time. I cried all the time. 
I, there was, I was always either upset about something or I was crying about something or I felt lonely or I was, and I just became desperate. Um, in my second marriage, we, we found another church and this was after like, I don't know, six or eight years of not going to church. And it was something I started leading worship again. I started getting involved in the church and it was helping, but I would go home and I would have that same like gut wrenching loneliness, like crushing loneliness. And my husband at the time was starting to get really frustrated because he didn't know what he could do to make me happy. And I started to get really hopeless because I didn't know what to do to make me happy. Like nothing I seemed to do. I, I started working out. Um, we changed my diet. Nothing I seemed to do actually helped. And right around the time I was 36, uh, we came home from church one day and he and a friend were in the house. And I guess they had some guy time and then ate, ate a big lunch and then fell asleep. So they were napping like on opposing couches in the house. And I was by myself on this big farm property. I wandered outside and I looked at a shrub, <laughs> this big shrub, and I just started to sob. Like I just started to sob and it wouldn't stop. It just kept going and going and going and going and going and going. So much so that I ended up just collapsing on the front lawn, just crying and crying and crying to the point where I started to form a plan that I was going to go upstairs. I wanted to kill myself to the point where I was just going to go. Um, I'd never been a violent person. I grew up where violence wasn't an option. And even though I'd considered ish suicide before, this was the first time where I was like really going, okay, how would I actually do it? So I as I'm sobbing was like, maybe I'll go upstairs, I'll run a bath, I'll blackout drink, because I just discovered you could drink to the point where you could blackout, and then I'll drown. And I was, as I, as I formed this plan in my head, it made me cry harder. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it occurred to me that people were going to have to take my heavy waterlogged dead body out of an iron tub down a narrow staircase. And there was something about that thought that stopped my tears. <laughs> And there's so many different things that I could tell you about that moment now that I'm aware of, but what it gave me enough of a gap in the plan to die that I stopped crying and went inside. And somewhere in the next two days, the universe heard what I was asking for. Cause I, there was seriously so much hopelessness at that point that I, I didn't know what to ask for. I didn't know what to Google. I didn't know what to look for. A couple days after that, um, one of my friends, new friends from church called me and said that I'd been on her mind and I told her what had been going on and she offered me her session with a lady that wasn't that far from me. Now this lady didn't do access consciousness, but it was the beginning. And when I look back now, I never would have gotten involved with access consciousness if I hadn't have first seen her because I was just because I know I was so low. So she started working with me about three times a week, three times a week. I had to get a second job to like support the habit of going to this lady. So I started seeing her and she's the one that started working with me to sort of level out my emotions. Now we got me on supplements. We, you know, she did this bioenergetic intolerance elimination, which is like a couple points on your face. Um, she worked on my diet and I started feeling better. I did. In the process of all that, we moved. My, my husband and I moved. Um, probably after about seeing her for, 
I don't know, eight months. She had become like a staple part of my life because I recognized that if I didn't go see her, I was fucked. So I saw her professionally to in order to keep myself like from not killing myself. But in the process of all of that, my husband didn't want to live where we were living anymore. And we moved far from her. We moved about three hours away from her. And at the time I did it to support him. I did it to support him. And I didn't have any tools, so I didn't recognize, you know, what was actually going to work for me. So in the in that move, I moved me far away from her. I moved me far away from the source of my income. I actually made the move made everything about 25 times harder on me because I didn't know the question of like, if I was including me, what would I choose? So the move far from her. And it was in it was that process that's that became the beginning of finding access because at that point I had no support. And for about a year, I dealt with it. I, there's a lot in that part that year that changed for me, but what started to happen is I started to recognize that this marriage wasn't working for me. And I took myself on a 10 day Vipassana meditation retreat. And in that 10 days really chose to, to end it. Three months after I ended it, I was all by myself in a tiny town in Ontario with nobody, no family, no nothing, no husband. Um, I was working a job where I was the only person in the office above this other group of people that were all together. So everything about my life was pretty much alone. I was working alone. I was living alone. I was, um, you know living in a town where I didn't know anybody, starting to feel that panic rise again. Like, what am I going to do? And I, I don't know how it happened, but I'm so glad it happened because <laughs> I was, on, I was on Facebook one day and <laughs> I'm so grateful for the breadcrumbs we leave ourselves I was on Facebook. And this friend of mine that had been one of my favorite people in Bible school. <laughs> 10 years ago, Marnie Barranco popped up on my Facebook. We weren't friends at the time. And I saw her name and I was like, oh my God. And I friend requested her and she had access consciousness listed as her employer. <laughs> that was it. That's all it took. <laughs> and I was like, what? What is that? And I clicked on it and I started trying to figure out what this fucking thing was. What is access consciousness? You know, I knew if Marnie was into it, that it was something amazing. And, and then so I started searching it. I could not figure it out at all. Didn't know what the fuck was going on. It wasn't like you could find a website and, um, you know, get a get a path or anything. <laughs> you know how access is, right? They're like, just choose. So I uh, kept I kept googling for like two weeks. I was working a desk job at the time, so you know I reconnected with her and I friend requested her and I found the page and found the website and kept just kind of poking because I was like, what is this? And finally, in one Google, I found another website from another facilitator not far from me who had a better explanation, I guess, of what the clearing statement was than 
And I emailed them and just said, hey, listen, where do I start with this? And it was one of the first gifts I was ever given, which is like, well, you can start anywhere. What would be light for you? <laughs> the first time anybody had ever asked me anything about me, what would, what's true for you? I had no idea how to use that tool, by the way light and heavy um <laughs> she's like well you can start anywhere she's like you could start with a session or a class she's like what's lighter for you and so you know not knowing how to use light and heavy i held them out in front of me like this and i had i was like well session class session class <laughs> and um anyway i chose to have a bar session and what we tell everybody, what I, I say to everybody when they get their first bar session is like, hey, listen, it's going to be what it is for you. You're either going to feel like you had a great day at the spa or your whole life will change. And for me, I was definitely, my whole life changed. Um, I walked into this facilitator's house and, you know, I had no idea what to expect. I wasn't a bodywork person. I didn't do bodywork. Please don't touch me. <laughs> Unless you're going to fuck me, don't touch me. That was my basic point of view. Um, and, but, okay, I was open at that point. I was desperate and open, and my friend liked it. So I walked in. She had a massage table there. I laid down on my back. All my clothes were on. <laughs> and she started touching my head. When she started running my bars, um, she asked me if I had any questions. Did I have any questions? Sweet Jesus, it's me. <laughs> She's like, is there anything that you want to look at? You know, or we can use the verbal processing tools too. I, I talked through the entire 90 minutes of my bar session, which is not, I don't know if that's normal or not. Some people just pass out. I talked and she processed me with these verbal tools. So when I got off the table, I felt, I literally got off the table and I felt like I was floating on the floor. Like that's how light I was. I didn't even know you could be that much lighter. I literally felt like I was 10,000 pounds lighter. Like I, like my body didn't weigh anything. And <laughs> my friend had driven me to the session because I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk after this. You should drive me. So she'd been waiting outside and I walked outside and she's looking at me through the car door and I'm walking around getting in and I get in and she looks at me and I look at her and she was like, well, how was it? And I was like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh my God, like, I don't even know what to say, but wow, like I could not articulate how different I was. And it stayed different. For me, that was like one of the key proofs, I guess, that I needed to keep me coming back is that things didn't revert after I had a session. They actually just stayed different. And I remember that being a thing for a lot of the other work that I was doing. Like when I was seeing that lady that I talked about, seeing her three times a week, um, one of the things, one of the reasons I kept seeing her as many times as I did during the week is because we would have these great conversations and she would say, well, you know, you got to work on this and look at this and, or you can't do that. And this isn't the way it should, <laughs> you got to try to do more of this. 
which is not empowering. And it's not that she was trying to be disempowering. It's like nobody shows you how to be empowering and nobody shows you anything. That's a whole other video. Anyway, so I would go away from the sessions with her and I would feel different. But then I would go home and I would be in the same situations and I would react the same way and I would have the same feelings. And so I'd have to go back to another session to feel better, but then go home and be in the same pattern. And most of the time I just made myself wrong for that, right? Like I was just like, well, you know, I'm just fucked up and I've got these patterns and it's just going to take some time, you know, and I would make some changes just through sheer willpower. <laughs> but with bars, I left and I just was different. I didn't have to effort to be different. I just was different. And so I got like four or five more sessions because I didn't necessarily want to go into a class full of people until I did. And I actually didn't want to take a bars class. I didn't want to learn bars. I don't work on people's bodies. Hello. I just wanted to get to foundation because while she was running my bars, which seemed to be the thing people did, <laughs> I was tolerating that to get to foundation. Um, I, you know, I realized, so I realized that to get to foundation, which is where all the verbal tools were given. Also, there was body work, which I didn't know about. I had to take a bars class. So I got like five more sessions and then I was finally like, okay, fine. I'll take a bars class just so I can get to foundation. So I took a one day bars class and it was just okay for me. Like, listen, I liked bars at that point. So that was nice. And in a bars class, you get your bars run twice and you learn how to gift it. And that was fine. It's kind of slow from my point of view, but necessary to get to foundation. And then I put off taking foundation for another three months because money. So I did all this, I jumped through all these hoops. I started changing my life to get to foundation. And then when I got time to take foundation, I didn't take it for like three more months. They had a foundation class right after my bars class. And I was like, yeah, I'm going. And then I looked at it and I was like, I can't. And I put on the brakes and I worked the summer at my job and just kept eyeballing when the next foundation class was because I knew I wanted to take it. But like jumping over that hurdle of the money felt like a huge thing for me. Foundation at the time was like 1400 Canadian dollars and now it's like 1700 and, but it was the most money I'd ever spent on anything. And there wasn't a payment plan. <laughs> it was just like, choose or don't, you know? So I don't know what I thought would happen if I put it off. It's like, I wasn't like I was saving money. I wasn't, I was just not choosing it. And then during that three months, working as a landscape designer, what, what had started to change was I didn't want the same life. I had separated from my husband. I had a good job as a landscape designer, but I was bored and I just didn't want the same life. And I wanted to do something that would actually change people's lives. So during that break from bars to foundation, I applied to nutrition school which in another province, which was like all the way across the country from me. And I went through all the trouble to apply. Like it was a bit of a process because I had to go get my high school transcripts and get some letters of recommendation. Like it was a lot of work and I did it all. And I got approved actually. And it was this little school boutique, chic little nutrition school out in BC, got approved. And then, so I'm, so, and I gave my notice to my job. I gave my notice to my apartment. I got my, I paid a company to ship my car because I didn't want to drive it. And then as, as the time for my job was ending, you know how consciousness is. It just won't leave you alone. I got pinged to go check out 
the schedule of foundations again. And there was one starting the next day. I was, my job was pretty much done. And I was looking at that, looking at that all of a sudden on a chat from nowhere, like it was a Google chat that I'd never used anywhere. The facilitator of the foundation popped up and she's like, hi. And I was like, hi. And I said, you have a foundation class starting tomorrow. She's like, yeah, you coming? She isn't intending to message me. She was on a random location. I was in a random location. You know how that goes. Anyway, I said, well, I would come, but money. And she's like, okay, cool. Well, what would it take? And that was the end of our chat. And there was something about the simplicity of that and the fact that she didn't try to push me that made me look at it and go, I have $1,400 left on my credit card. The class is tomorrow. I'm done with my job. Fuck it. I'm in. And I chose that class the night before and messaged my friend to go stay at her house. And that, that class changed the trajectory of my entire life. It changed the trajectory of the entire future. Um, because what, what happened in that class is like thing after thing after thing after thing that they talked about kept uncovering that I wasn't wrong, that I was just different. And it didn't matter what what subject we were talking about because we go through so many different topics and foundation. It didn't matter what we were looking at. I kept getting lighter and lighter and lighter. Remember how what's light for you is true for you? We would talk about like human humanoid, the difference, and my whole world would just open and I was like, oh my God, that's never been wrong about me. The thing that I've been judging myself for my entire life has never been wrong. And it was like over and over and over and over and over in that class. And so when I got to the end of day four and I looked at the, the end of the manual, which is what talks where it talks about what's next, and I saw that you could become a facilitator, I like changed all my plans. <laughs> And I was so excited to go to nutrition school. I'd been emailing with the school and I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. And they were so excited I was coming. And of course I get to the end of that four day class and everything's different. You know, in that class, they asked me, truth, do you really want to go to school for another four years? And I was like, no, I'd never asked myself that. I was just willing. Oh man, there's just so many things in that class. And so when I got to the end of it and I discovered that you could actually create your life totally different, and you could do this for and with other people. I called the nutrition school and I was like, I'm so sorry. I know I've been excited, but I'm not going to be coming. And the short version is that I became a facilitator in eight months because I just knew. Um, there's a whole other, that was eight years ago. My first foundation class was in November, 2013. And it's, as of this recording, it is March 2021. So there's been a lot of living between then and now. But what I can tell you is that if you've always felt like you don't belong here, like if you've always felt so weird and so wrong and like you don't belong here and you're not even sure what you're doing here, welcome to the club. And if you've spent a lot of your life feeling really fucked up, welcome to the club. And the thing that I want you to know is that there is a body of work. There is. There are conversations and there are tools out there. 
to address the difference that you are. And it isn't that you're fucked up. Even though you felt that way, it isn't that you are. It isn't that you're, you know, bipolar or, you know, ADD or PTSD, even though some of that might be relevant in terms of the effect that your life has had on you. It's that you, there is so much about you that nobody's ever told you. There's so much about you that nobody's ever had a conversation with you about or empowered you to know. There's so much about you that's so different from everybody else. And that's what's right about you. And that for me was so game changing that I'm gonna spend the rest of my life empowering everybody who wants it, everybody in sight to know that if they want to. So, man, yeah. What's right about you that you haven't gotten yet? What's the gift in all the choices you've made and the journey you've been on? What is, is it possible that you are crucial to the possibilities of this planet? Is it crucial that you're, is it possible that you're crucial to the possibilities of the world? Is it possible that you've always known something? And is now the time to have more of it, more of you? Is now the time to start exploring the living that might be possible if you had access to what's really true about you that maybe nobody's ever shown you? You are always invited to have more of you in my world. And if a foundation class would change your life and I could be the one to contribute that, I would love to be that person. And that's, you can find that on accessconsciousness.com slash Crystal Crawford. So what's your story? What gift are you? And what can I contribute? Thank you so much for listening to this show. My target is to make consciousness easy to find. So if you enjoyed this, please leave a five-star review and also share this with a friend who you know might be looking for more consciousness in their life. You can visit me on crystaljoycrawford.com and to learn more about the incredible life-changing tools of access consciousness, go to accessconsciousness.com and theclearingstatement.com. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Mm-hmm.